Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. I've always loved the verse that says that, that God keeps our tears in a little bottle. It provides just that picture of God's care and loving attention to each person that he knows your deepest fears and your deepest grief, and he cares so much. So when the psalmist says that he puts his trust in God, he's putting his trust in a God who loves him deeply and intimately. This morning, I want to start the time for for my message just a little bit differently. Uh, And what I'd like to ask you to do is... If you have a bulletin, use your bulletin. That would be a great way to use the little leaf that that you can tear off there. If not, grab a scrap of paper. Any scrap of paper will do. And I would like everyone to have a piece of paper and something to write with. And if you lack either of those things, quickly make a friend and acquire them. You're ready to write something down. Um, I don't have anything to say that's that memorable, so I'm not going to tell you what to write down. What I'd like to ask you to do is, if you have come to church today with some sort of burden on your heart, or if there is something that is troubling you, perhaps it's a recent burden, something that happened just in the past few days or the past week, Maybe it's a burden that you've carried for years, maybe decades. What I'd like to ask you to do, if you can, in three to five words, write a short prayer request. Three to five words. If if it has to be six words, that's okay. Go ahead and write it down, whatever it is. Some of the best prayers you find in Scripture are just three words long. You might think of Peter where he says, Lord, save me. You might think of the blind man that says, Jesus, have mercy. 
whatever it is. I'd also encourage you to be rather specific. If there's a person in your life, you might be the person. Maybe you're asking God's help for you. If there's someone else that you know of, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a sister, maybe maybe it's a neighbor. If you've written down a very short prayer request, here's what I'd like you to do. Take your Bible, stuff it in the back, and we'll come back to it in a little bit. This morning, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke, and we've been going through Luke chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And today, I want us to see the love and the compassion that God has for each of us in two stages. We're going to be looking at the authority and the compassion of Jesus. And first we'll see Jesus' authority, and then we will see His compassion. We have been seeing in the past three messages one of Jesus' sermons. We've heard Him say some very difficult things. He has encouraged a radical kind of obedience and generosity. He's challenged us saying that some people will say to Him, Lord, Lord, but they will not do what He says. And so He has encouraged Not only lip service, but life service. He has called us to a kind of faith that actively obeys. And at the same time, He has promised incredible blessings for anyone who follows Him. And so the hope is high, but the the commands are also high. And so this morning we move from hearing what Jesus said to seeing what He did. And that's so significant. Because I believe that you and I grow in our faith the more clearly we see Jesus. And it's possible to hear what He commands and to feel like it's impossible. In fact, you probably should feel like it's impossible. But when you see who He is and what He does, faith is not in yourself and your ability to obey, but faith is in Him as your Savior. And so you can find incredible hope and incredible confidence in Jesus. And it's my prayer that that will happen for each of us as we look at the Scriptures today. And first, we're going to see the authority of Jesus. Let's look at verses 1 through 10 of Luke chapter 7. Luke writes, After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. So Luke intends for us to remember this sermon that Jesus has preached, and I hope that you do. Verse 2, Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. And he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. 
Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. As you read a passage of Scripture like that, it's easy and right to notice the virtues of the centurion. That's that's a good thing to do. You can notice his devotion to the God of Israel. And this man is is not Jewish, and yet he's been sent there as a Roman soldier. And as a Roman soldier, he has shown devotion to the God of Israel and willingness to build a synagogue. In fact, he, he shows devotion to the God of Israel in recognizing Jesus as someone who works by the authority of God. And so there's a certain devotion that's surprising because this man is not Jewish. You can notice his love for the people who work for him. The servants in his household are are not treated as if they're inhuman, but he has compassion on a servant that he loves and highly values. And so you can see his love not only for the nation of Israel and the God of Israel, you can see the love for the people that he has who work for him. He was a good man. You can also notice his humility. The Jews who came to Jesus and asked that Jesus would come and work this miracle and heal his servant say that the centurion is worthy to have Jesus do this miracle for him. And yet... The centurion says, that's not the case. I am actually not worthy. In fact, he did not even feel worthy to come into the presence of Jesus himself. He sent friends to say this on his behalf. And you see the incredible humility. He is not coming at this as a Roman centurion with authority over Jesus, telling Jesus what to do for him. He is coming to Jesus with humility, saying, I am not worthy, but I trust your ability and I trust your authority. So you can see some virtues in the centurion and those are good. I think they help model what faith is and they help us understand the kind of faith that even made Jesus amazed. And yet I want to remind you that this story is not about the centurion. Even if we can learn from him, Luke did not include this in his gospel so that we would all go be little centurions. That's not why it's here. I'll remind you, in in chapter 1, Luke gives the purpose of his book. He's writing to a young man named Theophilus. And he says, I have written that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Things about Jesus. Where Jesus came from. What he said. What he did. And when Luke tells this story about Jesus healing this servant, he wants you to focus not on the centurion, but on the amazing, 
incredible authority of Jesus. That the centurion is 100% right that Jesus has an authority that is truly, unthinkably amazing. Jesus demonstrates His authority in healing a man that He's never seen and that He has never met. Jesus demonstrates His authority in being able to do something that you and I would view as impossible. He takes a man near death and He calls him back from death and restores him to health without ever seeing him. That is the power of the Jesus that we worship. He has authority and ability to do the impossible. And I want to say to you today, this specific story should be enormously encouraging to us. Because we are people who have never seen Jesus face to face. In one critical way, we are exactly like the centurion in that we never have the privilege of talking to Jesus in the flesh. Not right now. One day we will. But right now, we always request things from Christ at a distance. And when we ask Jesus to do things for us, we are trusting that He has the authority from a distance to do what anyone else would say is impossible. And if you wrestle with that and struggle with that, look to Luke chapter 7, because He did it when He was on earth. And if He did it there, He can do it now. And so when you bring your request to Jesus, He has the authority and the ability to answer your requests. And I think sometimes we struggle with prayer because you're talking to somebody that you can't see. You're talking to somebody who's not physically there. And yet Jesus shows He doesn't need to be physically there to answer your request. He has the authority to do what is good and right for His people. And to you and I, I believe He would say, you need to ask. You need to ask. Have the boldness that the centurion had. Jesus has the ability to answer your prayers. Make sure that you pray. So the first thing, you can see the authority of Jesus. And and by authority, I mean He has the power to do the things that we ask of Him. That's great news, but it's only half of the picture. Someone who has great authority may not be willing to help you. So the second thing that you and I need to see today is the compassion of Jesus. And it's my prayer that you would find hope and assurance that not only does Jesus have authority to help you, but he has a heart that will help you. So read with me verses 11 through 17 from Luke chapter 7. Soon afterward, so Luke again intends for us to see these things as related and connected. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. 
and said to her, Do not weep. And then he came and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. And fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Now, I want to emphasize the compassion of Jesus, but before I do that, look at the result of this miracle. It says a couple of things. It says, fear seized the people who saw it. Fear is an indication that you are in the presence of something more powerful than you. Something that you don't completely understand or comprehend. And what these people realize is that as Jesus raises the dead, there is something amazing, incomprehensible that they have just witnessed. He has done the impossible, and they recognize that God Almighty has visited His people. The power of God is at work. The God that created life has given it to a cold, dead corpse. And that young man began to breathe, and he sat up, and he began to speak, and they knew that God was at work. They glorified God. It means they saw the power of God, and they couldn't shut up about it. They told everyone about the amazing power that God had through Jesus Christ. That's the result. But what was the motive? Why did Jesus do this? Now the centurion asked, but in this instance, this woman didn't even ask. The text almost makes it seem like an accident, as if Jesus just ran into them on the street. He saw the funeral party, and he went and stopped it in its tracks. One commentator says, think about that, just just the image of that. God Almighty is born in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when he sees a funeral, it's the only funeral procession that reverses and the corpse comes back to life. And the funeral is postponed until a later day. That's what happens when the Son of God comes. He brings life. The thing that motivated it, though, is the compassion of Jesus. Verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, she didn't ask, she didn't maybe even think that this was possible. Jesus approached her. And Jesus' willingness to approach someone in deep grief who wasn't even reaching out to him shows the kind of heart that he has for people who are suffering. And I'll say to you, I'm being honest, this this is a message that preaches to me as much as I'm saying anything to anybody else. When I read things in the Bible, I always think, wow, God did that for those people over there, and isn't that awesome? But I never think that he would do something amazing for me. I think, you know, man, that widow must have been a special person. Jesus really loved her. But I never think that Jesus would have compassion on me for my suffering and where I'm at. And yet Jesus puts this story here so that you and I know the kind of character that he has. 
He, he is a, a preacher who preaches bold and sometimes difficult things. But he's not a harsh person. He is a person full of compassion. He's a person full of love. And when he sees people in grief, his heart goes out to them. I want to say to you today, some of us bear a load of grief because we have been praying for things and praying for things and praying for things. And sometimes Jesus in His love and compassion has said, that's not good for you and I'm going to say no to that. Or sometimes Jesus has said, the time for that is not now. But keep asking. Keep asking. And I think sometimes... We don't ask. And when the time comes, nothing happens because we have not asked. And so I want to say to you this morning, whatever burdens your heart, whatever you need to talk to God about, you need to ask because Jesus has the authority to grant your request. And He has the compassion so that He will Grant your request. Now, now some of you are, are going to ask for things. And I'm going to tell you, he might say no. He, he doesn't say yes to everything. Jesus teaches us to pray according to the will of God. And we don't know what that is in every circumstance. But you know what? You don't have to know his will to ask. You just have to trust his heart. So that if he says no, you recognize that it's because he loves you and he does have compassion. He has showed that compassion again and again. Some people will teach things like, if you only had enough faith, you would be healed. Or if you only had enough faith, God would do this. And they put the burden on you. And it is a crushing burden. Because if God says no, that means there's something wrong with you. But the reality is, Jesus had compassion on this woman at a time the text doesn't show her having any faith at all. And yet God reaches out to her and has compassion on her and has mercy on her. And I think that's so significant because it shows his heart. God might say no to your request. Don't stop asking. His heart is still compassionate. Even if we struggle to understand and comprehend why he might say no or wait, he is still good, he still has authority, and he still has compassion. So what I'd like to do right now, I, I want to end this sermon, and I want to begin a prayer service. And I've got a couple of instructions, because this is something that's a little bit out of the norm for us. I would like you, remember that prayer request that's in the back of your Bible? Pull it out. And here's what I would encourage you to do. I want to encourage you in just a few moments to out loud pray the prayer that you wrote down. Now, I've got a couple of things that I, that I want to keep in mind because here's one of the ways that, that prayer meetings can go just downhill real fast. They can become sort of gossip fests. You know, I, I don't want to hear somebody say, you know, heal my brother of his alcoholism because then you've just announced to the entire church that your brother's an alcoholic. Be sensitive to that kind of thing. Be careful how you say this. But, Go ahead and pray with real honesty. I, I would encourage you in this context where there are a lot of people here, we don't need to use first names or last names. You can say, Lord, please help someone close to me. 
And you can go ahead and say, I know an alcoholic that needs your deliverance. Or you can go ahead and say, I know someone who is battling sin that needs deliverance. Or closest to home, you may need deliverance. And maybe you're not comfortable announcing to the church what you're battling with or what you're struggling with. And that's okay. You don't have to. You can say, God, give me strength. You can say, Lord, help. And it doesn't need to be any more specific than that for everyone else to hear. But God knows what your help is. And I believe that there is power in prayer, especially as we pray together as a church. And so I know this is a huge step for a lot of people. A lot of people have come up to me and said, you know, Pastor, I just can't pray out loud. Don't ever, don't ever ask me to pray out loud. And, and I get that and I hear that. So right now I'm asking you to pray out loud. And I would encourage you, let this be a time where we love each other through prayer. You might say, dear Jesus, make me strong. You might say, Father, help me do what's right. You might say, increase my faith. Maybe you'll say, save my uncle. Maybe you'll say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sins. Let's pray right now. And in just a few minutes, I'll close. Somebody who's bold, go ahead and start. Our Father in heaven, Lord, as as these prayers arise and, and as there are prayers that people have been thinking but, but, but maybe weren't able to say out loud, I ask that you would let us see your authority and your compassion in answered prayer today and this week. I pray that we would be the people who glorify you because we've seen what you've done. Father, I pray that you would give me strength and endurance. And Father, I pray that you would save my uncle. Lord, we trust your wisdom and we thank you for your love. And we pray all of these things in the holy name of Jesus, our Savior. Lord, make our church holy. Pray these things in His name. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. I believe that we'll see God do some amazing things this week. And this is a verse from Psalm 55 that I'd like you to take with you. I actually started to memorize this verse yesterday because it's so powerful. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Go in peace.